California in the mid-1800s was a dangerous and relatively unsettled area. The annexation of California from Mexico began in 1846 with the start of the Mexican-American War. Eight years prior, the non-Indian population was about 8,000. The region provided an abundance of game animals, including deer, elk, and antelope, and was a hunter's paradise. Food resources were abundant, but the land also was home to the mighty California grizzly bear. A ferocious animal, weighing up to 1,000 pounds. Estimates from the 1700s showed over 10,000 grizzlies in the California territory. California grizzly bears are the largest and most powerful carnivores. They thrived in the great valleys and low mountains of the state. Their numbers were probably higher than anywhere else in the United States. As humans began to populate California, the grizzly stood its ground, refusing to retreat in the face of advancing civilization. They killed livestock and interfered with settlers. Many Native Americans living in the region had the scars and mutilations to prove how dangerous grizzlies could be. There was no shortage of close calls and savagery on the part of the grizzly. While grizzlies sometimes ate people, people also ate grizzlies. Out in the frontier, provisions were expensive, and settlers discovered how useful a grizzly could be. Grizzly meat could be quite tasty. We had a rarity for dinner yesterday, wrote Franklin Buck in an 1850 letter home to his sister. I should like to send you a piece, a steak of a grizzly bear. It was the finest meal I have ever eaten. So tender and juicy. Once you took down a grizzly, there was plenty of meat and other commodities. Most people acknowledged that grizzly's flavor was most agreeable, but that younger bears were preferred for better tasting meat than the older ones. The size of grizzlies produced large hides for clothing and bedding. Bear oil was used for fuel for oil lamps, preserving leather, lubricating guns and knives, and was slow to turn rancid. In January of 1848, gold was discovered in California, beginning the California Gold Rush, and the floodgates truly opened into California. By 1852, California's population was expanding rapidly, with no end in sight. Estimates pegged the population at 200,000 people, not counting Native Americans. Gold was responsible for the explosive growth. The grizzlies resisted and refused to be driven out by the increasing human population. Mariposa County in California is one of the many areas in the West known for its gold prospects. Much of the money earned in gold mining operations is simply being hired at a substantial daily wage, working on claims. Labor for those wages involved digging shafts, hauling the dirt and rock from those mines, and dumping the load near a water source. It was then systematically broken down, washed, and inspected for the heavier metal. Needless to say, this was vigorous and hard work. This is known as load mining. Placer mining, another favored incarnation of mining, involves the inspection of stream beds for gold deposits. Placer mining can be as simple 
as using a prospector's pan to scoop up gravel at the stream's bottom. The water is then swirled to extract the lighter gravel, sand, and other materials, leaving the heavier gold behind. On the other hand, placer deposits can be mined with large operations, involving many men digging out the stream bed and depositing the material in sluice boxes to efficiently process higher quantities. Massive amounts of water are rerouted from the stream and run through the sluice boxes to wash away the lighter materials revealing the gold left behind. Communities sprung up around gold mines, and economic growth thrived. Gold amply spread its wealth across the state to many individuals and businesses. The following story was circulated in many California newspapers in late winter and early spring of 1858. As fantastical as it sounds, the level of malice and violence seems unbelievable. Yet the basis of the incredible story conveys the fear and awe the California grizzly commanded. In January of 1858, five young miners traveled south from Sonora into Mariposa County to prospect for gold. When the party arrived at a stream that seemed promising, the group set out to make camp. Tents were deployed, and a small cooking station was set up at their campfire. The first day was uneventful, but the group was not discouraged. At the start of the second day, young George Favier wandered away from the camp to gather brush and kindling for the breakfast fire. He suddenly heard a commotion back from the camp. Then there were screams. George dropped what he had in his hands and ran back to camp. What he saw was chilling. Four grizzlies were in the camp clearing. Three were hunched over three of his companions, quickly slaughtered by the attack. A fourth grizzly was chasing John, their designated chef. John ran toward a tree, apparently intending to climb it. As he was grabbing frantically for a lower limb to lift himself up, the grizzly caught up with him and with a massive swing of his huge paw, snapped John on the side of his head. John's head smacked into the tree trunk, immediately rendering him unconscious or worse. The bear reared up on its hind legs and then dove down, ripping John's throat out. Dazed by the violence in front of him, George glanced around him, only seeing a mining pickaxe within reach. He grabbed it, just as the nearest grizzly noticed him and started toward him with a low growl. Then the beast charged him. When the monster closed within striking range, George swung the pick with all his might, hitting the creature on the side of its head. The momentum of the swing caused the pickaxe to fly out of the young man's hands. The blow bounced off the grizzly, but distracted it enough that George was able to grab onto the nearest branches and hoist himself up 
scrambling out from the bear's reach. The blow seemed to discourage the bear from further pursuit, but didn't appear seriously injured. George had run into the tree and bruised his shoulder in his frantic ascent up it. The young miner climbed further up the tree and settled in on a crook of branches. Surveying the scene from relative safety, the horrific sight rattled George to the core. Little did he know, he was not yet out of danger. He sat in the tree until nearly dark, enduring the horror of the grizzlies tearing apart what remained of his companions and devoured them. The bears seemed unwilling to move out of the area, having ample food so readily available. George settled in for the night and tried to sleep. However, from the discomfort of his precarious position and the thought of a grizzly climbing up for him, rest was fleeting. When morning finally came, George surveyed the appalling setting. The bodies lay where they had fallen, scattered somewhat from the abhorrent feasting. There were no signs of the four bears. The young man timidly began the climb down the tree. When he was almost at the point where he was about to leap down the last few feet, he heard a low growl. Quickly reversing his direction, George saw a massive grizz rush out from the nearby brush and lunged at the young miner's feet. Scrambling again up the tree, he nearly avoided the bear's sharp paws and teeth and once again reached the safety of the higher branches. He felt pain and looked down at his bloody lower leg. The grizz had managed to grab him, but the wound was not too severe. Upon hearing the commotion, the three other bears ventured out from where they had been sleeping. George spent the entire day watching the bears dine on the remaining bits of his companions as they moved in and out. He hoped, as bad as it sounded, that once there was no more food, the grizzlies would move out of the area. His leg throbbed, but the bleeding had stopped. When darkness began to settle in, George was resigned to spending another night in the tree. Thirst and hunger were gnawing at him, and he hoped the bears would be gone by the morning. Dawn finally arrived and George was extremely apprehensive about climbing down and meeting the bears once again, but he knew he could not spend another day in the tree without water. He descended slowly, alert to any sounds coming from the surrounding brush. By the time he reached the ground, there was no indication the bears were still there. Looking around, the camp's provisions were scattered all through the area and he avoided looking toward the remains of his four companions. He found a few scraps of food and devoured what remained. He found a dented canteen and walked to the stream and drank greedily. After having his fill, he topped off the canteen and checked to make sure there were no leaks. There was little in the way of supplies he needed or even desired to salvage. Once he had his canteen, he was set to leave. Sore and bruised, he headed north to put some distance between him and the grizzly site. The apprehension he felt coming down the tree and the time until he left the site was slowly fading as the hours went by. 
he saw no sign of the giant beasts that wreaked so much havoc upon him and his party. He was hopeful of finding help. Hunger continued to bother him. But the water eased much of his immediate needs. His wound on his leg began to bleed a bit, but it did not appear serious. Exhaustion and hunger continued to rise throughout the day, and right as darkness was settling in, he came upon a cabin with a faint glow from inside. He reached the front door and collapsed. George was cared for at the cabin until his wound healed and his bruising faded. If he had not found the cabin when he did, he would have had difficulty continuing on his wounded leg. It was several days before he could walk without pain. Attempts to track down confirming information on George Favier's companions and George's life after the event were elusive. It appears George simply disappeared. Maybe he had had enough of the frontier and the dangerous present. Perhaps this was a sensational tale meant to educate people on the risks of grisly encounters. Other equally gruesome stories are scattered throughout America's historic newspapers. Without corroborating evidence, one must decide for oneself how much to believe and how much is embellishment. By the early 1920s, the California grizzly bear had been hunted out of California. Disputed reports of the last grizzly shot and killed compete for attention, as do sightings of the last grizzly bear in California. It is idealistic to think the final California grizzly sort of just wandered off, seen sporadically and unverified until the sightings finally tapered off, and the beasts were seen no more, indicating a more peaceful extinction. The reality, though, is much harsher. The last California grizzly was likely hunted down and killed, completing a human-induced extinction. In the mid-1800s, grizzlies were hunted for food and provisions. Later in the century, big game hunting would target the mighty grizzly. Professional hunters would brag how many, quote, hundreds of grizzlies they brought down. The introduction and widespread use of repeating rifles made grizzly hunting much more straightforward. By the 1880s, the grizzly began to vanish from parts of California into the next two decades. It was thought that the last grizzly in California was reportedly killed outside Sequoia National Park during the summer of 1922. After reports of a bear that had killed and mutilated some calves, a group of men set out to kill the bear. They baited the area with beef and after several days trapped the animal in a bear trap. When they approached the enraged animal, they promptly shot and killed the grizzly. Sightings of grizzlies continued over the years, but nothing was confirmed until the fall of 1926. A bear was suspected of nighttime raids on an apple orchard in Tulare County. A trap was set by hunter Jacob Rice, and a bear was caught a couple of days later. Its foot crushed. The bear was shot and killed. Suspecting the bear might be a grizzly, the skull and a photograph were sent to the University of California, Berkeley. A local newspaper, the Visalia Times Delta, reported, quote, 
The skull of the animal, which Rice shot on October 15th, 1926, which had been taken to the University of California several weeks ago for examination and recognition, has been proclaimed a grizzly skull by Jay Grinnell of the university. End quote. Less than 75 years after the discovery of gold, every grizzly bear in California had been tracked down and killed. The extinction of the California grizzly is a tragedy, but the fascination and mystique of the grizzly bear lives on. It is hard not to be reminded of the California grizzly when you are in the state. Many geographic sites and attractions are emblazoned with the word grizzly or reference to the animal. The name is celebrated by colleges and businesses statewide. The California state government recognized the grizzly throughout its history. The animal appeared on the flag of the California Republic in 1846. The grizzly bear became part of the state seal in 1849. In 1911, the new state flag was approved, adopting the grizzly bear as California's symbol. Finally, the California grizzly bear was designated as the official state animal in 1953, 27 years after its extinction.